the Lord that you certainly are working out your plans and purposes through him. A man with no spleen, no no, I was no, pancreas. no pancreas, and gallbladder. What else? Duodenum. What else? Lymph nodes. Everything. Nothing. Everything missing. No brain. No. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, you have every part of his body in your hands. Preserve him. Empower him. Lord, make him an example to all those who are mumble and moan about things. And we thank you, Lord. Pray that his body will work without these things because you are the power in him. Yes. The creator is in him. You are his kidneys. You are his pancreas. You are his duodenum. You are his everything. You are, Lord, his life. We thank you, Lord. Pray for blessing upon Kathy as well. And for his boys, we pray your blessings upon and the work that is going on in Greece. We thank you, Lord. So we commit our brother to him. We welcome him to Gateway. And we pray that uh, you will use him now. And help us to rest in you and to listen to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Actually, I have everything in Christ. We may have things missing. I'm sure I'm not the only one. There's probably folk here who've had procedures and things. But actually, in Christ, we have everything. And this body is going to fade and fade away. So we put so much worth in it, don't we? Have you seen how the media really dresses up and bigs up the body? They have all these models, you know, on catwalks. And, and, and it seems as though that's the way we need to be. If you're not like that, you're not normal. Isn't it? I mean, have you seen these catwalk models? I, I, they're really weird. I mean... <laughs> Who walks like that? Tell me. <laughs> it's just impossible. But the world puts all kinds of strange pressures and intimidates us. But we're the people of God. We're different. We are from a different family. And Christ has called us out. That's what the church really means. Ecclesia. Ek means the called out ones. We're called out from the world to be with Christ. The Lord asked lots of questions when he was on the earth. Lots of questions. And, um, you know, there are many questions that we could look at. He said to some people, you know, do you, do you love me? He, you know, feed my sheep. He said to others, who do you say that I am? And, and the questions go on. But here's one question Jesus asked in Mark 10. He said, what do you want me to do for you? So often we ask, Lord, can you do this for me? I mean, we're fearful, but we can ask the Lord anything. He said, ask me, seek me, search for me with all your heart. And he said to this man, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe that's a question that you're asking the Lord today. That you ask him to do something for you. Let's actually read the scripture. Always good to read the scripture. I love this church because you put so much emphasis on the word of God. And uh, you read everything, which is absolutely wonderful. Let's look at Mark. I'll tell you a few verses. Mark chapter 10. And let me read it for you. 46 to 52. Are you all there? Amen. Good, good. This is what it says. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, 
But he cried out the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called a blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. It's a lovely story. And let's share a few thoughts from there. Um, it's quite important to um, actually look at the setting in some of these stories. And, you know, from a Western perspective, we read these things and we read into it our own understanding of that perspective. But so often when you look at it, especially from a Jewish perspective, and it's really good that your pastor has a, has a heart for Jewish things and the heart for Israel, as, as I do myself. It's really quite revealing. I already have the Greek bit, you know, the Gentile bit, from my wife, you see. She, she, she tells me the, 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 the way it should be. But actually, when you look at the, 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 the Jewish context, it really throws a lot of light on it. So, let's just uh, have a look at the setting. Well, the setting is a place called Jericho, and it's a cursed city. Why is it a cursed city? Well, we read in Joshua 6, 26, that Jericho was cursed because of what they did. It was a cursed city. So we start with a place of cursing. And it's interesting, that's where Jesus did this miracle. And what does a curse mean? Who was the one who lifted the curse? Cursed is he that hangs upon a tree. Isn't that right? Who was that person? It was Yeshua. He was the one who was going to lift the curse. So he was going to lift the curse on the earth. The earth was cursed, remember, right from Genesis. It's not that God wanted to. Sin brought that curse upon us. God didn't do it. People often think, oh, well, if God is God, why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he heal my son? Or why doesn't he sort this out? Or why doesn't he sort out the, the hungry people? Why doesn't he stop the bombing in Aleppo? It's not God's, it's not for him to do that because we create the problem. We're always looking for him to sort out our problems. We only call upon him when we've got a need. Even unbelievers, when they're right in an accident, they say, oh God, oh God, I don't want to die, they say. It's amazing how they call upon God, don't they? But all the other time, they take his name in vain. But here was the one who came to this cursed city, Jericho, Jericho, and he was the one who's going to lift the curse. So the next, it's all in, they're all in P's, by the way, so if you're making notes, it's very good, it's a good teaching sort of uh, help for you to remember all the P's. So who's the petitioner? Well, it's Bartimaeus. He was a blind beggar. He'd been there, and you know that there were lots of beggars in that time. Lots of beggars. Because people were blind. What happened if you were blind? You were cursed. You could not go to the synagogue and worship. Couldn't go to the temple. You couldn't go to the temple. Because if you're blind, if you have leprosy, or you had anything wrong with you, you are out an outcast. So he was a, the petitioner was a, an outcast, a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. So who are the people, the populace, the Jews and the leaders 
in Jericho. They were the religious leaders, the Jews, that's the populace. The person being petitioned was Jesus. Jesus, the son of David. Why? Because that's what Bartimaeus called out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. He's the one being petitioned. What, what was the plea? The plea was for mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'm blind. Lord, that I might see. Because he'd been like this all the time. He somehow knew that this man, this son of David, had the power to do it. He obviously had that understanding. We'll come to that in just a moment. What about the pronouncement? Jesus makes a pronouncement. And he says, Bartimaeus, because after he was healed, he said, follow me. Follow me. Well, actually, he said, go your way. <laughs> he actually told him to go his way. Um, but that's quite interesting. But it really, no one really ever went away when they saw Jesus. Isn't it amazing? They never went away. They followed him. Then he told them, go and go to the temple and make your offering. Go and tell the, the rabbis. They didn't. They actually came and followed him. Because he was worthy of following. He was worth much more than all the religious leaders. Because they'd had all that before. Aren't we starved, uh, sorry, aren't we fed up of religion in this world? Religion. Religion. It's the reality and the relationship that we as believers share with our Lord. And that's what Cathy was sharing actually in her school the other day about uh, when she was driving home with some people. She was sharing about her relationship with the Lord. And that was a new thing because the Greek Orthodox have a religion. The Hindus have a religion. So do the Buddhists. But we as believers have a relationship with the Mashiach. And the, the, uh, that last P is the parallel accounts. Because you find similar stories in all the Gospels. In Matthew, you have the story of the two blind men who were healed. And in Mark, you have this. Of course, you've got the blind man at Bethsaida. He was healed as well. I won't read it because it, time will, will, will go uh, will take too much time. But it's all about faith in the Son of Man or the Son of David. And each one emphasizes a different aspect of that healing. Okay, so this miracle that we've just read in Mark's Gospel, I would say it's probably one of the most defining moments in our Lord's ministry to the Jews. It's, it's quite a defining moment. Why? Because both the leaders who, who consider themselves to be, you know, the elite, those who are in the know, uh, you know, who consider themselves to lead the people, they had no spiritual vision. We know that, don't we? We know that they were the blind leading the blind. And also the Jewish people, they're the other part of that populace that I mentioned. They were hemmed in by the leadership. They were hemmed in by the law. They couldn't move outside of the law. As Tom told us earlier on, you know, the law, you, he killed you if you uh, did wrong. Such was the severity of the law that they saw. It was not God's will to kill any man. But the law that they had defined it. And as you know, they had laws to hem in the other laws. Oh, they, they created all kinds of issues. <laughs> they were absolutely right. And the greatest, the lawgiver, they were lawmakers. Thank you, Tom. But Jesus was the lawgiver. They refused him. Because his greatest law was to love one another as I have loved you. He was a great one. Well, and... and, and have you noticed how the Lord never disdained anybody who came to him with a law problem? You know, Jesus really should have shunned these people if he kept to the Jewish law. 
but he received them. Lepers, people with sickness, blind people, deaf people, people with an issue of blood. They came to him because they saw love was in his eyes. They saw who he really was. He didn't disdain anyone. The thief on the cross, he was being condemned. If Jesus was truly kosher, he wouldn't have even spoken to him. But he said, today you'll be, be with me in paradise. What about the tax collector? They were a shunned, terrible people. But Jesus took in a Matthew under his wing. What about the centurion who was a Gentile? Jesus spoke to him. And that centurion understood that. You're a man under authority. And I know you can do it. And Jesus showed his authority came from above, not from the Caesars. It's wonderful. And, uh, you know, but Jesus, what did he do? He came to justify sinners by fulfilling the law, paying the penalty for sin on their behalf. Here, if you like, was the divine healer, the divine healer, manifest in their midst, Emmanuel God, God with us. And what does he do when he hears? He doesn't say, shush, ask that man to stop, because I'm about my ministry. All the, the power preachers in our world, they're flying in planes, and nobody can see them. Because they all want to get to the stage to do their bit. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't. He, the Bible says that he stood still. He stands still. And that Greek word is stas. Stas. And incidentally, it's that same word that's used in Acts. When Stephen was stoned to death, Jesus stood still. In fact, he stood up, the Bible says. But it's that same root word is used there. How the Lord stands still. To listen. It's important to him. We rush around, don't we? we? We do. We don't want to speak to people sometimes. Oh, we're very choosy about the people we want to speak to. But not Jesus. He stands still for you. When you call out to him, he stands still. I find that very moving, that he does that for us. And Jesus wanted to incline his ear to the plea of the needy. Here was a man who knew his condition. Bartimaeus knew that he was a condemned man. He was condemned by the system, by the social structure, and by the, the law. Totally. That's, he could only beg. That's all he could do. He, it's all he could do. This is what he says in Ephesians 5, verse 8. It says, For you who were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Have you noticed, it doesn't say you are in darkness. It says you who are darkness, once darkness. You were not in, you are, you are darkness without the Messiah. We're all dark, dear ones, if we don't have Jesus. We're dark, dark in there, dark. And blind Bartimaeus was acutely aware of his darkness and his hopeless circumstances. He, what did he want? He wanted recognition of his condition. Everyone does. Every one of us, we all need to be recognized for who we are. Nobody wants to be trashed. But the law condemned this man. He wanted recognition. And he didn't ask for money of the, the Lord. It's quite interesting. Here was Jesus who can give him everything under the sun. He didn't ask him for money. He wanted mercy and he wanted to see. Now remember, a blind man's only income was what? Begging. That's all he could do. That's all he was allowed to do. That's all he was allowed to do. And he asks, not mammon, but mercy. He didn't ask for mammon, mercy. And he comes to the master of creation, who is the son of David, the prince of life, the, 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 the prince of life, Sar Shalom. 
the Prince of Peace, and he asks him for mercy. So what does ha- what happens? Bartimaeus first hears the word, doesn't he? Couldn't see because he was blind. He's a blind man, but he hears the word. He hears the Messiah standing in front of him, speaking to him. He hears the word. And the exhortation is, Bartimaeus, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you have ears to hear? That's what, you know, translating it, he would have heard. Do you, do you believe in me? Jesus never said those words, but that's what's going through his mind. He, and the Bible says, he that has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. His hearing was activated to receive the miracle by faith. This is what it says in Romans 10. So then faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Can you see how Bartimus got healed? He heard the word first, didn't he? Although he was blind. And that's the way it is for us. We're blind. We're blind. We hear the word, and then we have sight. It's a different kind of sight, isn't it, that we get? It's a different kind of sight. Hallelujah. We see things differently. We see things differently. And uh, we need to hear first, and then we will see the word. Friends, family, so often we don't see the word because we don't hear the word. We need to hear the word first. It's great if Jesus said, unless you see me. He didn't say that. He that has ears, let him hear, because he knows what's going to happen. The word itself will keep us all. The word will set us free. The word will bring healing. We need to hear the word, and then you will see the word. And isn't it also interesting? Everybody else near him as Yeshua Hanotzrim. Yeshua Hanotzrim. What does that mean? Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, not Srim, not Srim. Yeshua Hanotzrim, Jesus of Nazareth. But he knew him as, he called him what? Jesus, son of David. Bar David. Bar David, Bar means son. He called him Jesus, son of David. He clearly understood the prophetic significance of the Messiah revealed to Israel. Everyone else saw him as a Jesus of Nazareth. That's the town he comes from. It's like saying, you know, Alan from Bradford. Or, you know, Andy from Watford. There's not much hope in Watford, but pray for Watford. Please do. (laughs) But here was not the man and his location and his town. He used a prophetic title. The son of David. He clearly understood the prophetic significance. Now, he obviously didn't go to the temple. But, of course, everything travelled by word of mouth those days. They didn't have iPads. They didn't have video. They didn't have TV. They didn't have books. They had word of mouth. So he would have heard all of this. He would have heard of a man preaching called Jesus. He would have heard of people talking about the prophecies. Probably coming from the temple. He said, tell me that again, friend. Tell me that. So, although they couldn't touch him or go near him because he was unclean, he would have heard all of this because he was there for years. And time, you gather lots of information in time, don't you? He understood that the man standing in front of him was no ordinary person. He was the prophetic Jesus, the son of David. He also, incidentally, would have heard about the raising of Lazarus in the previous chapter. He would have heard of that because that happened pretty, pretty near. So it was big news. It wasn't just a story and then you move on, it would have carried on the ripple effect of what the Lord Jesus did. Often had. They knew what he did. They knew he was a healer. They knew he was the rabbi. 
but is he the son of God? And that's the issue that we all come to face. Isn't that right? And um, it's, it's wonderful. His plea was for mercy. His plea was for mercy. Bartimaeus means a son of Timaeus. Uh, in the Greek, actually, Timo means honour. That's how our name, our son's called Timothy. Timo. So I wonder if there's some link there, but I'll leave the one hanging in the air. You see, his plea was Christ-centred. His plea was Christ-centred. He came to Christ, and his plea was Christ-centred. Compare that with James and John, the Lord's disciples. They said, Lord, that we may sit on your right hand and on your left. Theirs was self-centred, wasn't it? It's what they wanted. And they had their mum to help them. Good Jewish boys always need their mum, you see. Exactly. But this man, who was blind, he was Christ-centred. And he asked the Lord for mercy. How ironic. Those with sight couldn't see. But a blind man, condemned and despised, saw it all in faith, in his spirit, and he cried out in faith. Our world is just the same, friends. We all, people that you meet, they all have eyes to see, but they can't see God. They can't see him. Because we're blinded, the Bible says, we're blinded by the darkness. And we like to hide in the darkness, don't we? They hide, why? They don't want their works to be revealed. That's why. So the people that you're speaking to, you're really on a mission. That little book, that Bible, that tract, <clears throat> that word, that little five minutes at Tesco's or Waitrose or wherever you go, at, in school, the trip on the bus, wherever, you are on a mission to bring that light to people. It's not, oh Lord, help me to give a testimony. It's, it's not even as complicated as that. People are dying, they're blind, you need to bring life to them. Speak, saints, don't be fearful. It might be just, or even sing to them. Who knows? I was in a real quandary once. I won't tell you the circumstances. I came back from work, off my bike, and I cast myself on my bed. I was angry with the world. I was angry with this, I was angry with that. I was upset. And I was living in the home of an elder, a lovely man, Albert Stanley. He's gone to be with the Lord. He's a big fella. And he knew, he heard me storming up the stairs. And he came up to the room and knocked on the door. I said, go away, as you do. <laughs> Because I don't want to speak to anybody. Have you been like that? You don't want to speak to anybody because you're so upset, it's so hurt. You're so riled up in there. And the door slowly opened and he came and he sang. It's your word, God's precious word. It stands for... And he sang this wonderful song. And I was in tears. It just melted my heart because that the Lord ministered through that man's song. He just took the liberty to come into my room and sing to me. Well, it don't, doesn't often happen that way. But God has a way of dealing with our blindness and our darkness in amazing ways. You try that one, bro. Try that one. It, 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 I've tried that with my wife. I tried singing to her and she would not be consoled. <laughs> I then said to her, let's go to Twins and buy some shoes. And she's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> but if all else fails, you can try that one. So here's another question. How much do we want to see the one who alone and exclusively gives us spiritual vision to see him? How much do we? You know, not just as the creator, because we see him as a creator and we can see his wonderful works. Not just as the lawgiver that we've touched on this morning, who informs our conscience 
of our sinful condition. Not just as the sovereign of history, fulfilling all the prophecies. We, we can go on the, uh, these wonderful titles, but we need to see him as our personal friend, our brother, the one who stands still for you. Isn't that amazing? He stands still to listen. And you think, how is it possible with millions and millions of requests going out every second? But he stands still because he's God. He can do it all. He's omnipresent, omnipotent and powerful. He stands still to hear our kind of Let's move on. So, what do we want him to do for us? That's what he said to Bartit. What do you want me to do for you? Do you think the Lord doesn't know? Do you think he's ignorant? of your needs? No, but he wants a relationship. That's it. It's a two-way thing. Tell me. Many times we've got a, an inkling of somebody else's need, don't we? But they're being very cagey about it or whatever. But you need to win that trust. We've got to earn the trust, folks. Similarly, when you witness, if you're witnessing somebody, you need to earn their trust. And how do you do it? You love them. You build them up. You, you invite them for a meal. You're friends with them. You go and help cut the grass or whatever you do. And then you, a, a great door is opened. We had a friend called Terry. He was a typesetter, and in our, my, as a designer, he used to, I used to give him typesetting, and he was a very conscientious guy. He'd come back very late in the evening to drop the setting, and Kathy, typically being Greek, would say, come in and have some food. Of course, that's not the dumb thing, you know. But he would love to come and taste all this Greek food. Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> And yes, it would be 10, 11 at night. Slowly, slowly, Terry would come and, you know, food is a great evangelistic tool. Food is great. You can feed them to Christ. How about that? Feed them to Christ. Jesus did. He fed people, didn't he? he did. And all this lovely, he would come, we'd get chatting, and it's a, cutting a long story short, we had the joy of leading him to faith. He's now a very good... He's a teacher, isn't he? A Bible teacher. He studies. He sends us notes and stuff. And he actually did all the time setting for Kathy's notes that she did. It's that thick. And he did, it's a labour of love. And his wife kept saying, oh, that Andy Kumar, he's ruined our marriage. He's the one. And she blamed us, well, me personally. But now she's getting softer, isn't she? And we're due to meet them, literally, uh, in a couple of week, weeks' time. And we... Pray for, pray for Terry and Sue in your, in your prayers. At least you know that. Do, do remember. She's a lovely, lovely lady. We love her dearly. And we just so long to see her come to faith. But that's it. It's through food. We're going for a meal. Win them through a meal. Isn't that good? You know, the thing is this. Do we capture the moment when Jesus is passing by? Do we press in? Or are we pushed out by our fears? Are we pushed out by the intimidation? by the law, the people who told him to shut up? Are we pushed out by our indifference? Are we pushed out by our condemnation? Many people feel bad about themselves. They're not able to forgive their own selves because of things that have happened in the past. Do we press in? Or do we feel pushed out? Here we go, nearly there. Do we count the cost when we ask him for the things only he can give and reject what the world has to offer. This is a big thing. This is a big thing. Do we count the cost when we ask him for the things only he can give and reject what the world has to offer? You know, Bartimaeus, his plea for sight came at great cost. 
If you read the, the small print in the scripture we read, it came at great cost to him. Why? As a blind man, he would have been officially set apart to beg. Are you aware of that? You couldn't just go and beg by the temple. You had to have special clothes so people recognise you. And some of your takings, where would he go to? To the priests, yes. There's backhanders going all through history, friends. It just doesn't only happen in Sri Lanka. Or India, even. I was remember when I was a little boy, my family used to say, give him a brown envelope. I never knew that. Oh, when you go to the airport, when you go to the police street, give him a brown envelope. I thought, what is this brown envelope? That's really special. Of course, what's inside the brown envelope? Luca. That's how it works in these friends. That's the way it's always worked. Give somebody a brown envelope. I sure can, I need to tell you that's uh, the way, that's how it works. It's terrible. It's corrupt. And that's why we don't get off the floor. But that's how it works. It was no different. You had to pay people. And the takings, it was a business. Don't forget, everything was a business in Israel. There's nothing that happened by chance. Even in the temple, what were they doing? It was a business, wasn't it? And what did the Lord do? He made a small whip of cords and drove them out. Why? Because it was a business. They were earning money in God's house. You've turned my father's house into what? A den of thieves. That's what it was. And here was Bartimaeus. What does he do? He hears, he gets up. They said, sit down. He gets up because he hears the word. And when you hear the word, you cannot but not respond. He then takes off his garment and throws it down. How many other people have done that? Matthew left his table, didn't he? And Zacchaeus was up a tree. He left that tree and came. They all left. The disciples, what did they leave? Their nets. Have you noticed? They left something. And the thing they left was all their life. The nets, the tax collector's table, and this man, why? Because he would have put that coat probably on his lap where they would have thrown the money or in front of him. And that's how he would have collected it because he couldn't take money from their hand because they can't touch him. They probably would have put it there. But he threw it all and came and followed Jesus. It was at great cost. I wonder if there's something that we need to cast away this morning in our lives. I wonder if there's something that you know you just need to cast away because it's just a burden. It will not help us. Hebrews 12 says this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And what? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What? Let us lay aside. There are two things there. The weight, the weight of it, and the sin which so easily besets us. I don't know about you, I have sins that easily beset me, and I'm conscious of them. Here's the preacher making a confession. But it wouldn't be right if I was real and honest before you. Wouldn't be right, would it? I'd be a hypocrite. But we all have these things. Sometimes they're not very big. But they're habits, they're tendencies, things that we do, things that annoy people. We need to lay them aside and uh, run the race with Jesus. His cry to Jesus then is an express... Sorry, his cry to Jesus expressed ultimate trust in the Son of David. Not the Jesus of Nazareth, but the son of David, who was enough for him. Christ is enough for us. He's the Father's radiance, seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says this. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. And in John 19 says, that was the true light which 
gives light to every man coming into the world. Acts 26, 23. That he will be the first to rise from the dead and will proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. We can't see God and live, can we? We can't see him and live. But God saw us first and he came down and gave us eternal life. And for those who recognise, all right, so what's our responsibility? Well, we're to be light bearers. We're to be light bearers. They out there, they cannot see because of the darkness. Matthew 6. The lamp of the body is what? The eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. But then look, look what it says. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. This next bit scares me. Friends, this next bit really scares me. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? Can you see how amazing these scriptures are? It really puts it in such a way that you, <laughs> you know, all know about a menorah. In Zechariah 4 you have this wonderful picture of the menorah which is the eternal lamp of Israel. And uh, it's a light bright, burning bright representing the Jewish people. And just like that lamp, we as a Gentile people of God, we, we as a church, we need to lift up first or light up first the lamp that's in us. How can we touch the world if the light in here is out? How can we do it? We, we need to have that light lit. We need to be a lit people, a glow. Um, we need to be on fire for Jesus. Somebody said, well, you know, I've set you a light and you really be on fire for Jesus. No, it's not that kind of being on fire. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. That's where the fire. We need, you know, Israel needs to awake to the urgent call of God, doesn't it? And the imminent return of the Messiah. But so does the church. We also need to awake. And if we're ashamed to confess him, he will be ashamed to confess us. And the only judgment coming on this world will be for blindness. Friends, it's for blindness that we're going to be judged. Not you, but the world. Not for sin. Why? Because Jesus has dealt with sin already. It's just that we're blind that we didn't receive him as the forgiver of our sins. John 9 carries a fearful warning to the spiritually smug and religious hypocrites who are defiant. It says this, For judgment I've come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. For those who do not see may, may see, like us. We didn't see, but now we do. But those who think they see will be blind, because they refuse to have him. This is the very last one, I promise you. I'm going to close with some paradoxes. Isn't it interesting that Bartimaeus, who was blind, he saw the son of David. The blind man saw. How can a blind man see, we say? Well, you can't. But he did. He first heard him, and then he saw him. But the leaders, who apparently could see, but are blind to the son of David. They were blind to him. In fact, they called him one having a demon spirit, didn't they? They had the spirit of Beelzebub. They accused him of terrible things. They were so blind. That's what the world now says about those who are believers. They accuse us of terrible things. They accuse us because we are not loving to gay people. We're very, we're the most loving to gay people. It's just gayness that we have a problem with. We've got no problem with the people. But sin, it's not our decision, it's what the Lord has done. They're actually going against the maker. 
Here's another parable. Jesus tells Bartimaeus to go. And what does Bartimaeus do? He follows him on the road to Jerusalem. And friends, that is it. That's the final one. It's the way of the cross, isn't it? Where does Jerusalem lead to for Jesus? When Jesus went to Jerusalem, he only led him to the cross. It was just that that's where Bartimaeus went. He followed the son of David by the way of the cross. And that's what we need to do. We who now can see. I once was blind, but now I see. Isn't that wonderful? That's what the song says. We need to have that wonderful sense of following our Lord on the Jerusalem road. He was an embarrassment to the Jews. But to God, he was highly honoured. We are going to be an embarrassment in our community. You're going to be an embarrassment. People don't want to hear what you have to say. You're an embarrassment because you're speaking about Jesus and you're, you're waving your Bible at me. What about these wonderful Buddhists and these wonderful other people? Yes, they're all wonderful because God loves them. But they all need to be saved because we're all in blindness. Yeah. It's the blind following the blind, or the blind leading the blind. To the Jews, he was an embarrassment. But to God, he was highly honoured. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'm sorry it's taken a bit longer today. You've been, yes. <laughs> Let's pray. Perhaps we'll just sing a song after that just to close. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I just come to you and thank you for this lovely family. Lord, I, Kathy and I feel so much at home here and we feel part of what you're doing here. And yet, Lord, as belonging to families, we know that from within our own hearts, issues arise and there are circumstances and situations that affect all of us within the family. And Father, I just pray right now I felt, Lord, that your spirit just touched on one thing and I'm just going to ask you as I just pray that if anything that you want to cast off today, if there's something that you know you need to just, just put your hand up. I don't want you to confess, just put your hand up. That's fine. Um, I'm actually putting my hand up as well. If, you, if there's something you know you just want the Lord's help to cast away, just put your hand up because I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Is anyone else? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, a few hands going up. It's lovely. Amen. Lord, I just bring those loving souls to you. And I place myself in that same basket. And knowing, Lord, there are things that we need to cast off. Sins that so easily beset us. Circumstances, situations that we might be holding on to. Even dreams that we have. Aspirations that are not of you and yet we think you're in it. Lord, help us to be real with you. To know what your will is. That we walk with you softly with our God and to hear your voice Lord that we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word and then Lord we will surely see you for who you are in our hearts thank you Father I just lift our time together that as we go away from this uh, lovely hall we should go with the fragrance of Jesus and with the word resonating in our heart because we ask it in Yeshua's name Amen Amen God that great Clap offering, shall we? Hallelujah. Let's give him a clap. Amen. Let's give him praise. Lord, we thank you for ministering to us today. Pray uh, you will replenish our brother. I'm looking forward to fellowship afterwards with him. And we pray your blessings upon him and Kathy and continue to use him, music and everything. Lord, we pray that you'll open the eyes of the blind and uh, help him to speak the truth in love. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We have this cake uh, yes. that we got for.
Ashok and Anita, please have a piece of it. And uh, so good to see John and uh, Chris with us today. Blessing to you. Looking forward to having you. Please stay behind, have coffee. Get to know those people you have not met, met before. And God bless you. And uh, thank you.